I'm hot for teacher. We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Ah, oh, g'day! Welcome to the bloody Bogan cast next door. <laughs> Well, we bloody love your mums and Zach Bickies. That's right. We've gone full space jail on this place. The convicts are taken over and the apocalypse has apocalypsed. And now we're broadcasting from the barren burnout wasteland that is Straya. All right. With me, I've got my fellow prison escapees. I've got Antu. Say g'day. What up? What up, Antu? <laughs> And uh, Dan, Dan, Daniel, Daniel, you want to be called Daniel? G'day, Dan's fine. Or Dano? Dan. Or Danny Boy? Uh, none of those are appropriate. Right, My name is Mr. All right, we'll go with Daniel. <laughs> no, All right, I'll, 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 I'll drop the Bogan character now. Thank God. G'day. That was going to be um, exhausting for me yeah. as a listener. For you as well. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, cast next door, as I said. We've locked Darren in a box for the next half an hour or so. And um, the Australians are taking over, so we're going to talk about whatever the hell we want, mate. This is a, actually a podcast where we talk about the boy next door for some God knows reason, because, oh, I know why, because it's the only bloody movie left in the universe since the apocalypse happened. There's only one, one movie left, and it's recorded on VHFs, so it's deteriorating. Uh, it's deteriorating very quickly. So to, to rescue it, we're, we've been um, recording podcasts of each minute so that we can pass it on to our children and children's children in our oral history. Yep, that's why we're doing this. Um, and, and this week, this is the bonus episode where we go back over the, the minutes and mine them for, uh, for special, special bits. <laughs> now, um, the minutes we went through were minute, uh, the minutes that Daniel and Antu uh, did this week were minutes 69 to 72. So uh, Claire climbs out of the evidence dungeon, uh, gets scared by an old man, uh, gets scared by a door, visits a detective, and leaves a detective. And then we find out that Noah has a temper. <laughs> oh, correct. Sorry, that is the last yeah. words of our minute. Okay, so you get up to where Noah has a temper. I only bonks Vicky over the head. I did miss that part. Sorry. Ian, you guys talked about it in your minutes that um, the uh, our children's children will be avidly listening to. Was there anything that you uh, missed out on that you um, wanted to, you know, expand upon? Right now, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, generally my feelings about the movie are like, uh, it's actually a solid movie, you know, it's just a bite-a-book, bite-a-numbers thriller. Like, you know, it doesn't... I don't think it fails at anything it tries to to do. So that's generally my feeling about the movie. Good, good. What about those specific minutes, Auntie? I pretty much covered all my feelings about those minutes in Everything? Minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel sure. pretty resolved. What about you, Danny boy? Uh, the minutes themselves, I, uh, it was where the plot sort of kicked into gear for me and it has my favourite digression. Like, doc, the, minute, the minute with Doctor... <laughs> not Doctor... 
He may have been a doctor. I don't know. I don't want, but he's a detective. Detective. The doc, detective. <laughs> he's a special doc detective that uh, uh, he goes around doctoring people. Yeah, shredded detective, Doctor Donny. Shredded detective, Johnny Cho. Yeah, uh, that that was my favorite digression in the whole movie. That 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 minute has very little to do with either side of the movie at any time, but probably costs the most. They have a hangar, they have a burnout car, they have a location, and it was like, well. They must have had to use it. I'm assuming that the subplot had a little bit more in it, but uh, it was it was a lovely digression. Get J Lo out of the house. Yeah. So, did you guys ever sort out in your minds who was having this imagination? Was it uh was it Detective Johnny Cho's picture of the way it went, or was it J Lo's? Uh, no, I, I I do think it's Noah's imagination. You know, because he's the guy that comes up with the plan. Like in his mind, like the person. Like, uh, his dad is cheating with his, this sleazy lady who, like, pulls up her skirt at the vital moment, like, where they crash into, like, a truck carrying a aluminum. Where he set the brakes to go as soon as the shirt, the skirt goes up. <laughs> yeah, it's like this, kind of like this hyper, like, over-moralized viewpoint, like, you know, of like, yeah, this is what happens when you cheat on your wife. Except Noah isn't around. As Daniel says in his, in the minute, he's nowhere in sight. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm tending to lean on this is what, this is J-Lo's imagination because she's already figured out that the cut, the, the uh, um, brakes were cut. And so he's telling the story and she's like, well, she's fleshing it out with a bit of, you know, uh, skirt, really. Yeah, well, I think I think Antu might be onto saying with I think the screenwriter probably wants us to think that it is Noah or at least Noah's moralizing. But I use, I choose to take it literally, and that the detective is actually doing this, and he does this with every case. He's had like four hundred <laughs> cases thrown out of court because in every single uh, bit of evidence he gives, he's like, yes, so you know, the woman worked into the building. We believe it was a burglary. The man looked up her skirt and then continued on. And every single case starts off maybe, with a woman he, showing leg. And maybe he's a precog. He's a well, but he's or a postcog. But only for very specific, he, like leg perving purposes. <laughs> Whenever there's leg perving. Detective Cho knows that um, knows what's going on exactly, and he can picture it in his mind's eye exactly what's going on. I really do think like it can't be. It's very obvious like they're not a married couple. You know what I mean? Like like when I saw the because they love each other. <laughs> no, the couple in the car because like I know they... yeah because they're flirting. No, they... it had like happen. a sleazy connotation to it. It wasn't like this. Hmm? Hey, aren't we happy our committed relationships working out after all these years in our 2006 minivan? Come on. Yeah, if it was mar- if it was a married couple, he'd be driving, staring straight ahead, and she'd be staring at her iPhone. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Unless there was a like a specific like I love to imagine what that conversation would have been if they were a married couple. Oh, look, do you think this is a mole? Like, I want to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, could that's be a right. cancer. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've got this rash on my leg. Yeah. I don't know. It's very Bugging funny. Me. Tickling myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, yeah, it, that, they were. But that was definitely giving off the impression that they were a, a non-married couple. One. Yeah, we we never her. seen a mom, right? We never seen a mom. We just know she eventually she kills herself. Married couples don't look at each other like that. It's all bleakness once you get married. It's all yeah. just blah. And we do know that he was, well, he's a, a serializer and a drunk. Multiple DUIs. We do. We do. That is a clue that Detective Cho. Uh, that's what he. That's what he based the um, his lack of prosecution on. Yeah. 
Which I do. I mean, the, what else is he going to do? The brakes weren't tampered. We saw the end of the car. It was just a blackened mess. There was no the, bodies left after that. It's not like he let down the job. He's like, I don't but know. But did whatever. they even bloody check the brakes? Because, because the brakes were tampered with. We know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those little screws came out. Uh, we seen uh, the schematic. The schematic. Yeah, we did see the schematics. <laughs> I, the very well labeled okay. schematics. All right, so that's that's that. Except I've got one really big problem with this um, car crash scene. Um, the car—they're coming at each. It's a head-on collision. Collision. Right? No, it's not a head-on collision. Like, well, no, it's not a head-on yeah. collision. But it's—it's he—he it's, swerves into the road of the truck, then he swerves out, then he runs into the t- truck's wheels. Mm-hmm. Now. I do not think that that truck would have come to a dead halt by that stage. Trucks move. Trucks are very hard to stop. And when he crashes in the car, into the truck, it is at a dead halt. It's not screeching. It's not sliding. It's not moving. It should have just driven straight over the top of the car. It mm-hmm. shouldn't have just crashed into the wheels. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I think these are very uh, budget-conscious filmmakers that are like, <laughs> we can't have a stunt driver you know, doing this act, like, just have the thing parked, okay, that's it, that's, that's, I can't help but not think about the choices the filmmakers made, and that's generally it. I just yeah. thought that's where the tubes were going, like, they're just right down there, that's just like they're running, running a water pipe through the they're mountain, like, like they're <laughs> bringing yeah. water to the other side of California, no one's seen water for years, they've got a drought there, they have to put in under underground tubes to make sure things work so they just stop there to drop them down the side of the mountain this film is... happened to crash into the tire. that's right <laughs> are you implying this... this film is like the third movie in the chinatown series where like they're finally bringing water to the outer areas of california that's generally <laughs> i mean it's a yeah yeah i mean i think i'd prefer to watch this than the two jakes and uh, <laughs> so yeah let's go with that that's the water trilogy. Oh, what a lovely, what a what a lovely thought! It didn't. Um, it, obviously, it didn't work very well because some lunatic cut his father's brakes and a car crashed into it. But the mm. thought was there from the California. Yeah, that's it. They're board. all gonna they're all gonna die of thirst now, thanks to this freaking lunatic. Yeah. Took thirty five. So, thank took... you, John Corbett. No, it wasn't even John Corbett. It was some other guy. Thanks, Noah. Anyway, I didn't catch whether you guys talked about uh, the. One Asian actor in the movie, Francois Chow. Did you get a, a, a did you chat about his back history and that in the minutes? Uh, we didn't talk about his. Uh, I think he's he was a refugee and he's Cambodian. And we talked about his strategy. He was Cambodian. I, I just want to acknowledge that this uh, the three of us were basically half Asian. So uh, I think <laughs> the three I don't know about us, uh, Antu over there. Antu, I, I'm going to assume, and this may be racist of me, that you're Asian. I, I am uh, Asian. Oh yeah, <laughs> I am Vietnamese. I, I win. Now I'm half Asian, so mm-hmm. I got uh, and half white guy. And over there we got Daniel, who's full white guy. <laughs> so we are full white exactly guy. Half, I've yeah, never exactly been half Asian on this panel. Exactly half Asian. <laughs> Is that how they chose this panel? They're like, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's how it was chosen. We, we don't want to have any more division than there needs to be. We no, need we, someone. We can't have two-thirds Asian or two-thirds white. We're going to have a half-Asian panel. I thought you diversity. said, when you said this panel's half-Asian, as in I was like, Daniel's half-Asian? That No. <laughs> no offense, Daniel. <laughs> so anyway, I was very happy to see an Asian 
Uh, I mean, at least one Asian character in the whole whole film, and and glad that we got to talk about his minutes. Uh, I actually, you know, just in related to that, I I just think the cast is kind of very multiracial, and there's just yeah, it's, it's a very good news of people of color and representing people, and yeah, not in uh, like a shitty Hollywood way either. It's just yeah, it's pretty cool. There's only like Garrett and Kevin. Oh, and Vicky. Well, Kevin would be half Hispanic according to the film, and then. True. So you got Vicky, Kevin, Garrett, and the prom date really. That's and the prom date. Yeah. In terms of like major white characters, and of course the uncle. But then there's like the principal, like Harper Hill or Hill Harper, and yeah, yeah, just a whole bunch of yeah. And. And an Asian. Woo! That's a detective. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, did you guys get to talking about... You talked about the fact that he was Shredder in uh, Ninja Turtles 2, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Secret of the Ooze. He was also in Lethal Weapon 4, one of my favourite Lethal Weapons. <laughs> so, can, uh, very um, quickly, very quickly, Jody, uh, rate your Lethal Weapon them, like, from top to bottom? Oh, What's your favourite? God, rate them. Oh my god! Uh, let's say two, one, four. No, let's go one, three, four, two. I don't even bloody remember. All right, so Patsy Kensett. No, thank I, you. I liked, no, thank I liked you. Jet Li. I liked Jet Li as a bad guy. That was cool. Wait, Jet Li he was in one of those movies? That was in four. Yeah, he's in four. He's. I haven't seen any of them, so I just know that <laughs> Jet Li's in four. And Chris Tucker's not Chris Tucker. Chris Rock is in four, right? Uh, yeah, well, he's not in one, two, or three. I think I've only seen one, two, and three. Joe Pesci turns up in three. Patsy Kensett's in two. Saxophone <laughs> number music. two's the South African. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South. I, I sort of take it that number one star is the saxophone because the saxophone plays through about nine tenths of Lethal Weapon. I can never remember anything yeah. else about that movie, but the saxophone. Yeah, and then uh, Patsy Kensett. Okay, so this is our Lethal Weapon cast, but we're going to move back. On, that movie doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. I wish it did, All right. but um, the only movie that exists in the entire universe is actually The Boy Next Door, unfortunately. And uh, moving right along, we're going to, because the, uh, because it's, the Aussies are taken over, we're going to actually recast the movie with Australians. So, guys... If you were going to do an Australian version of The Boy Next Door, who would you cast as your J-Lo slash Claire Peterson? Yeah, go, Daniel. Okay, so I have uh, two possibilities uh, because one of the actresses also might double up for another one. Uh, the first one's Rachel Griffiths, who is oh, probably yeah. around the right age to have a, a son uh, like Kevin. I'm invoking time travel rules, so you can actually cast from whatever timeline oh, as well. Well, I had, Rachel, <laughs> I had Rachel Griffiths in my head. She's a, a lovely-looking woman. She's very charismatic on screen, much like J-Lo. And, She's uh, amazing. Yeah, She's and, way, more, way better actor than J-Lo. Yeah, and uh, is quite an attractive woman. Uh, the other one I had is uh, probably unknown to American audiences uh, is Claudia Carvan. Oh, Claudia. Who yeah, is for sure. uh, queen of Australian TV. Queen of Australian television. A spectacular looking uh, woman her entire life. And has already actually played the older woman in a movie before with a, with yep. a student, uh, the heartbreak kid. <laughs> which is not a bad movie. True. Alex Dimitriotis? Yeah. Alex Dimitriotis. Yeah, that's a deep yeah. cut. That's, that's a deep cut. Yeah. 
So he was uh, actually he was actually in line to be my boy. Oh, right. So <laughs> we could just remake that movie <sighs> yes, instead. Good, you're right. That's very <laughs> yeah, good. That's time, all you're doing. <laughs> good time casting. So yeah, that, that, they're my two for uh, Claire. Cool, cool. I'll go next. All right, because I um I actually had a similar sort of Australian TV star that you, our Lisa, Lisa McEwen. <laughs> McCune? I can't even say a bloody name. She's won more Logies than anybody. And for you American listeners, a Logie is is not a thing that we drop in the toilet. It's actually our version of the Oscars. Emmys. Wait, no. So, uh, Emmys? Emmys. Emmys. That's it, Emmys. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Do we, do we yeah. have an equivalent Oscars? Like, no, uh, of course The not. AF Australian Film Awards or whatever. That, yeah. That's a thing. I think they're called the actors now. Oh, the actors? Mm. The actors. Yeah. yeah, so Lisa McCune, star of what? Sea Patrol and McLeod's <laughs> Daughters yeah. or something? Sea Patrol, Blue Healers. No. Also, but actually, I was also, I was thinking, then, then I was thinking on the line of a former diva, and I was thinking maybe Al Kylie, who was an actor and then became a diva and is now <laughs> still a diva and could mm. become an actor again to uh, play J-Lo's role. All right, what about you, Antu? Uh, I, I'm just going to reveal how out of touch I am. I don't watch a lot of Australian TV, so I just, and like, I don't stay up to date on Australian film either. So, uh, I was like, even though, again, she's kind of played a similar role, I think Kate Blanchett could play the character easily if you were going to like, hey, let's bring this film home and then like, cast someone that can be a box office draw, I think Kate Blanchett. But then Claudia Carvin, to me, is pretty much spot on as a cast. Kate Blanchett could own the role. Like she could do it from the toilet seat. She'd still be better. Um, all right, let's go with the boy. Um, I just had a couple of boring ones to throw out: Liam Hemsworth <laughs> and Jai, Jai Courtney. Throwing them out in the first place because if you want ta- um, like cardboard cutout people, then we could go with them. But I was actually going to go with uh, something way out of left field: Tony Collette. And make it the girl next door, because <laughs> she plays. She plays a. She. I reckon she could be a really good psycho, and um, and we could call it Muriel next door or something like that. It is the funny. Muriel next door. It is. I mean, someone might uh, pull me up on this, but I don't think Tony Collette has actually been cast or had herself cast in a full blown sort of psycho Hollywood role, and she definitely has that capability. She's so mm-hmm. good at playing sort of tender and broken and and funny at times. But I've never seen her oh, go into that full... She would be a great... She'd be a great psycho. Yeah, t- well, she did do the United States of Tara where mm-hmm. she played about 30 characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she could p- go full schizo on that, one, that role. And you guys have got any ideas? I had just written down in my notes production line home and away person because every time <laughs> every time an Australian becomes famous, apparently, they've been on home and away. And I, yeah, so, I, I'm never entirely sure who they are because I've, I've never actually watched that show, but... It, they seem to have an eye for pretty boys who build muscles and go overseas. So, yeah. So one of the Hemsworths, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, re- or related ephemera. I'm not sure who yeah. they, they are, but. Or were they? Were they? I did see. Um, you're right there. Alex Dimitriades is right up that sort of. Uh, <laughs> they, he he has that intensity as a young man that could uh, quite work on that. For our, I don't think any. I don't think he ever really worked overseas that much. Alex Dimitriades. When he was a bit younger, yeah, for sure. Yeah, very, uh, quite a handsome Greek-Australian man who has a, a lot of intensity. A lot of intensity. All right, Antu, did you have an idea? No, I was just going to like throw in one of the Hemsworth 
Likely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched Neighbours for years and Home and Away for years either. So I've never watched them in my life. Really? I've absorbed it. I've absorbed <laughs> it by uh, osmosis. So I know about. You mean osmosis with an O Z? Clearly. Yeah, right? with an osmosis. <laughs> Oz, bloody osmosis. Um, all right, so let's quickly run through this because we're probably two and three minutes. Uh, Garrett. Uh, I had David Wenham. Uh, purely because he oh. annoys the living hell out of a lot of people. I, I don't mind mm. him, but he annoys people. And I think that John Corbett sort of seems to annoy people in his blandness as well. So Wow, you're picking good actors. <laughs> uh, How about you, Andrew? Uh, I forgot his name, but he's the guy that plays Pope in uh, Animal Kingdom. I figured we get him back as well. Because he's doing really well in Hollywood. Let's oh, ben, bring him back. Ben, ben Mendelsohn, yeah. Ben Mendelsohn, holy moly. But he would scare the living ben hell out of whoever oh, plays the he's sun. He's amazing. Let, let's he's... have him play tender and inept. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. Okay, yeah. Um, I actually had Anthony LaPaglia, somebody who's also gone pretty ah. well in Hollywood, but um, I find boring as batshit to watch. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. he just re- reprises his role from Lantana um, or whatever. Hmm. I just, I just, I don't see the the love of La- the LaPags. He's, uh, he's very uh, bizarre. He's very funny in a movie called Betsy's Wedding from about a hundred years ago, where Molly Ringwald gets married, and he has to play Ooh. like a. I think it's an Italian, Italian American sort of like goomba from the mafia, and he's very, very funny. Anyway, cool. In case anyone's seen Betsy's wedding, <laughs> cool. All right, let's quickly it rains through. at the end. Okay. Spoiler alert. Uh, Vicky, did you have an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie actor to recast as Vicky? Uh, I went with Portia de Rossi. I, I was only because oh, I was yeah. typecasting uh, blondes who can be uh, quite funny, so that was my typecasting there. Yep, aren't you? Uh, I I would probably pick Lisa McCune because uh, <laughs> she is a blonde and diminutive, and I think yeah. she's been in musicals as well. So that's just an easy yes. fit for me. And she's such a versatile actor. We could get her to play both roles, and people wouldn't even know it was the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think even Darren would know who Lisa McCune is. Like, yeah, for for the American listeners, that was a joke. Um, okay, I ha- I actually had Deb Mailman which the Americans really won't know, but is a fantastic Indigenous actress from Australia. I thought maybe, yeah, bring, in an ind- um, bring some Indigenous flair to the role, and she's got so much sass, she's awesome. Mm. All right, Uncle, uh, Uncle Old Man. Is Bud uh, Tingwell still alive? <laughs> <laughs> he can be, because we can time travel. We can just yeah. bring Bud Tingwell I had, into it. I had his Bill Hunter still alive, which I know he's not, he has died. <laughs> But I had Bill Hunter or David Gulpilil, two of two of the men on screen that looked oh, the oldest yeah. from a very young age. They both looked <laughs> extremely old from a very young age. I think oh, like David Bill Gulpilil Hunter and awesome. Bud Tingwell as well were like just people that once they hit a certain age, they only played old men. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least in my yeah. li- lifetime. Yeah, that was seventy-five yeah. for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my choice was uh, Alf. From Home and Away, oh, and he'd just sweet be like, Jesus, yeah. "Stone the bloody crows, yeah. Mrs. Peterson! What the hell are you bloody doing here?" That, that was my choice. He would anyway. give you a scare too if you so, saw. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. In house. Just to check your story, you know all this via osmosis. You just via osmosis, <laughs> flaming, flaming mongrels yeah. and all. I'm sure oh, you flaming mongrels. I'm sure Stone Darren would know who Alf Stewart is, right? Come on, Darren. Yeah. Fair, 
Fair shake of the bloody sauce bottle. Yeah, Darren will definitely know who Alf is. And um, Principal Dunderlinger? Uh, I had, for everybody else that was a middle-aged man, I had Colin Friels. <laughs> okay. Detective, principal, anyone else who wanders past uh, Colin Friels, who Good seemed Friels, for 10 years was in every Australian television and movie that was made. I'm down with that. Mm. Auntie, do you have anybody? How, how about we bring back A Fallen from Grace, Mel Gibson? <laughs> oh, bring back Mel. Yes. Oh, my He's God. He's like slumming it. He's like, yep, uh, I'm just here to, to have like this thankless job as the on-screen principal of this high school. I'm down with that. Uh, old Mel as well. They not, would... not going back in time to charismatic Mel. <laughs> no, yeah. old, old, old racist anti-Semitic Mel. It'd be a really loaded scene every time he approached anyone. Jeez, <laughs> <Yeah. and> then... <laughs> oh, what's he going to say this time? Uh, could you just please not touch the students? I was like, oh, thank God he didn't say anything else. <laughs> That's how we bring attention to the thriller, the off-screen yeah. drama. <laughs> oh... Oh, that was great, guys. I'm glad we did that. I'm sure that nobody out there in uh, Radio Land actually knows the thing we're talking about, and they've all turned <laughs> off their podcast now, which is fan-bloody-tastic, because we only want to talk to the Australians anyway. Um, moving on to my next segment, which I like to call sequels. What what sequel? What's, what's our sequel to uh, The Boy Next Bloody Door, mate? I'm trying to think. We came up with a few sort of different sequels within our... Um movie one was one that i really wanted was like a sort of a bellatar treatment of like a four-hour movie about mr sanborn after j-lo gets the cat scare and arriving at the house three hours later next door because he can't move more than an inch at a time so just following him or maybe like an andy warhol art film watching this man move <laughs> 30 meters in four hours and you have to watch it in real time hoping he doesn't so, die in the meantime i guess so we're basically we do the movie, but entirely from uh, the uncle's point of view. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he sees he sees Noah coming in and out of the house, and he sees that, and then we see him, you know, doing old man stuff like trying to make his way to the toilet, and <laughs> having a shower, and just slowly going out on his little scooter and driving to to um to Woolworths to to buy some um you know adult diapers or whatever he needs. Poor Mr. Sanborn. He's got a really grim life where you in this movie. Yep, that's what we get to look forward to, guys. Uh, I think... My, Aren't you? I think my joke sequel idea would be, like, uh, the family, uh, they go back to living in a house and there's Mr. Sanborn still living next door and they have to, like, uh, live with the passive-aggressive tension of, like, knowing that the family next door killed his nephew... And the back and forth black comedy drama of like neighbors who hate each other. Cool. So we just we just see shots of of um of the old guy staring over the fence. So J Lo's doing doing whatever. She's out in the yard doing some weeding. She turns around and they just get. That's the whole movie. It's just jump scares of, <laughs> yeah. of um turning around and he's just staring at her. And she's like, oh, hi, Mr. Sanborn. Oh, is that my phone? I got I got to go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Did you idea. have one, Jody? I like it a lot. Oh, what about me? Well, I mine's set in a Mad Max wasteland, obviously, where um, <laughs> where somehow uh, so somehow the killing of Noah has set off, you know, World War Three, and um, everything is radioactive, and um, actually Noah comes back to rule. <laughs> as a tyrant over the people of the, of, of the land of the, this suburb, which has only survived. And, um, but he's, he's broken. 
So he's just in a wheelchair and he's like, he can't move and he can just speak and do a thing. And like, um, so he's kind yeah, of become and, his uncle in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And, and Kevin's, Kevin's out for revenge and, uh, he's got the, he's got the cha- challenger, was it? The Dodge? Yeah. The, 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 uh, the car. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. The Garrett's and car. He's, he's, he's souped it up and, um, yeah, he's out for revenge against, uh, against old Noah. Oh, just in, in this movie, is there multiple, uh, car, sort of stunts a la Fury Road where people just drive into water barrels to stop? Is that going to be the big... <laughs> oh, is that going to well, be the big the end? That's, that's the thing. The fort that he's built is all made out of water barrels. <laughs> so he, has, he, drives, he drives his car into the water barrels and, and the lids fly up in the air and, and this, is, this is the big finale as he's taking down, as he's taking down Noah and, um, and one, of the, one of the lids frisbee Noah in the face. <laughs> Uh, if there's a car chase centric like s- film sequel to like the car- the boy next door, it should be just a bunch of guys ch- trying to chase each other, but all their brakes are tampered, so that it just keeps petering out after like the first <laughs> two minutes or whatever. Well, Smash. nobody's got brakes. Yeah, no one has brakes. That's like <laughs> so it's it's kind of like a speed situation where where the cars cannot actually slow down and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and and if they do accidentally slow down, they blow up. So so thank goodness they don't have brakes. Okay, it's like a future world where there's like a whole bunch of highway and like water barrels are really scarce and there are no brakes. No, that's the feel. Water barrels are everywhere. <laughs> water, water barrels, barrels are freaking everywhere. You just can't. <laughs> they're in the middle of the road. You can't. You can't avoid them. It, you'd think it was like they'd be drinking it, but no, everybody's really thirsty. I, I am they, getting so thirsty. All the water's going into the barrels. Do they have water bottles? Is that a real thing in America? Like, do they have like big water tanks on the side of like sharp hairpins? Yeah, that's and a stuff? thing. Is that a thing? I think it's a thing in Australia. Is it? This is or the maybe. segment. Uh, is this a thing in America? Is, is this, this a, a thing, thing in America? Water barrels. And we are all unqualified to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's in our holy Bible, the boy next door, which is the uh, thing that we worship. Um, it must be a thing. Right. It's the only thing. And so we worship the barrels of water now. In this uh, this made up bullshit land that I'm living in, <laughs> in my head. Let's go to the final segment of the show, which is plugs and recommendations. So, uh, do you have any plugs, anything to plug, or just you know recommend something Aussie? Get some Aussie culture into people so that they can um you know be as cultured as <sighs> we are. So, like as cultured as yogurt. I uh, recommend plug because it's uh. 14 years since it came out and there's a new one coming out soon the everyone who has never listened to the avalanches since i left you or any of their earlier stuff go and listen to since i left you it maintained a sort of like cultural space for a long time but i'm sure there's youngins out there now that have never listened to since i left you and uh it's an incredible album and the new one i have on fairly good information will be due out this year later or okay. it's been this year for the past 13 years but mm-hmm. uh it's definitely recorded so looking forward to Kick it Kick ass! now since i left you is the name of the album and the lead single both yes and the single yeah, yeah. so that's the one but that's the one with um dexter on it like uh dexter was a part of it yeah 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 is, no no not dexter the the, the thing i um dexter the song what's the song called frontier psychiatrist is that frontier, frontier psychiatry yeah yeah 
great song. Great Bloody song. great song. Hmm. Um, anything else you want to plug or, or flog or talk about? Uh, Any Aussie movies? What Aussie movie would you recommend? Uh, I thought of an Australian thriller that no one would have seen, I guess, that I liked. Australia has a very up-down relationships with its own movies, mainly down. Yep. If you want to see some of the worst <laughs> movies ever made, I can recommend about 45 that have just Wait, been made in the last decade. You have to recommend like a not-so-great Australian movie. <laughs> All right, so if you want to watch well, the worst... Well, don't recommend The Barbadook, because fucking everybody's seen it. No, if you, if you want to watch the worst movie of all time, there's a movie called Takeaway, an Australian comedy that was made in the late 2000s, which is... Uh, it delves into that sort of just horror show of comedy that cannot get itself out. But a thriller from the late 2000s that no one saw called Noise, which is about a policeman yeah. with uh, tinnitus. And uh, he has to solve a movie while he—he uh, um, has to solve a movie. He has to solve a murder while he—he uh, he can't hear. And it's a—it's—it's it's a good little low-budget exercise. Mm, that sounds really good. Mm. I have to look that up. Oh, I haven't seen enough Aussie movies. Mm. All right, Antu, have you had a thought? Uh, yeah, I think I'll just plug a few musical acts that I really like that are Australian. Uh, just this uh, female singer, Rainbow Chan. She does some work in Sydney listen to her ep long vacation she writes really great pop songs and uh a really she has a really good uh production year like her she i think she produces her own stuff and arranges it herself so it just sounds really great it's just really beautiful pop music and uh just a local melbourne band actually uh they're called mangle wurzel and uh and the lead singer jala also sings in her own band uh actually her name is cosmina but she sings in another band called Jala, and she's one of the most beautiful vocalists working in Melbourne today. So, listen to those those bands, and I think Gosh, so. So that was Rainbow Chow, Rainbow Chan from Sydney, Chan. Rainbow Rainbow Chan and Mangalwurzel. Yeah, oh, and awesome. And can you look them up on Unearth? I think Rainbow Chan has a Facebook page and a Bandcamp to and Mangalwurzel, uh, same deal. So yeah, go at it, people. All right. <laughs> Kick ass. Uh, Anything else you want to plug? Uh, Got any gigs coming up? I uh, so, uh, so be. Uh, Antu's a, um, a stand-up. He's pretty funny. I am. Uh, okay. I, I don't know that, actually. I've never seen him. Yeah, it could you, be terrible. You don't know. Like, you I have work, no bloody work idea. It from, uh, yeah. Actually, I, I am doing a set at Spleen on the 30th, so come to Spleen Central. Is that the, the 30th of November? Yeah, 30th of November, so uh, maybe uh, this will no come out by then. People but, are going to uh, hear that by then. <laughs> But if, if not, uh, just know that I am doing stand-up somewhere in the world and that you're missing out the audience. Uh, if, if you're in <laughs> Melbourne, look out for Antu uh, uh, Datura. No. Is that your name? Uh, no, just call, I, I just go on stage by Antu. Okay, just look out for a, for a bro named Antu. He's fully sick. He's very cool. Okay, it's the kids' movie. I re- I'm recommending the kids' movie, Pause. And it's terrible because it has uh, young Nathan Cavalieri uh, uh, starring in a kids' film and... Uh, Billy Connolly, and it is terrible, Ooh. terrible, terrible. And if you want to know why we don't cross over a lot in America, watch this movie. <laughs> so, what was it called? Pauls, the 1997 Australian family film. <laughs> is that P A U L S? P A W S. Pauls. Oh, P A W S. Yes, Pauls. It does have a huge recommendation of a dog in sunglasses on the front cover of its VHS. Oh my god, it must be awesome. So of course, okay. it's awesome. And, uh, on the other side of that, I just want to recommend the kind of Australian movie, uh, Mr. Nice Guy by <laughs> Jackie Chan, filmed in Melbourne. Just watch it. It is wonderful. <laughs> awesome. And any other Jackie Chan movie <laughs> while you're at it. Okay, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend a podcast called um, FPCast. It's 
stands for pr- fruitless pursuits. Bloody awesome! Like the it's it's Australian podcasting about um, about pop culture from all over the world, which basically means America. But um, it's really good. They make me laugh uh, every week, and I like it. Uh, I don't actually have an Australian movie that I would recommend because all the ones I know, I've got I've gotten off the flop, flop house group and. Everybody knows that already. Those movies already, so I won't bother. So I guess that's the that's the bloody end of our of our uh, little uh, podcasty thing. So um, guys, we made it. We bloody made it. You've been listening to Space Jail, aka Mad Max next door. Uh, I've been your host, Jody Bloody Doyle, and with me has been Daniel Ifland and Antu. Uh, catch more episodes of the cast next door um, wherever you find podcasts yeah, uh, wherever you found this one I'd like to make a salute to our colonial master from Britain Daniel yeah. Husted. Daniel? Yeah. I mean Darren <laughs> Darren Husted, our colonial master right, sorry about See, that did you Darren. hear that Darren? <laughs> right, I guess he called you, you Daniel <laughs> no it's all D so, yeah, sorry, Dar- Daniel. Darren's great we're gonna let him out of the box now and he's gonna edit the fuck out of this and um Thank you very much for listening. Have a good night. All right, night. This is the first edition?